The upcoming rock blog will feature limited commercial interruptions, but also unrestricted language and older adult content. Put the kiddies to bed and flip your platters to the B-side for tonight's one song each. One me, baby, one more time. One, This is Paquita Trotamundos with my next song. And now, old dude. You've painted up your lips and rolled and curled your tinted hair. Ruby, are you contemplating going out somewhere? Shadow on the wall tells me the sun is going down Don't take your love to town It wasn't me that started that old crazy Asian war But I was proud to go and do my patriotic chore Yes, it's true that I'm not the man I used to be I still need some company He never wanted to be an entertainer. Tom T. Hall. He saw himself as a songwriter. He got talked into that crap. And it did all right by him. I mean, you know, he made a lot more money because he, he was. But he wanted—he was kind of like the opposite of Willie Nelson. See, Willie Nelson wanted to be an entertainer. But nobody thought he had the chops for country music. Now, I think he's a country and western music person. But I remember when, you know, he had short hair. He was clean shaven. He wore a suit. Around Nashville, they just did not see him as a country. They, they liked his songs. They wanted to use his songs for country artists. wanted his songs. But they never saw him as a country artist. Chris Christopherson never saw him as a country artist. But, you know, they cut every one of his damn songs. One of his songs, uh, Ruby, actually was the crossover hit that put Charlie Rich into country music. Because he was considered psychedelic rock and roll. This morning with the sundown shining in I found my mind in a brown paper bag But then I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high I tore my mind on a jagged sky I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in Yeah, Kenny Rogers. 
Yeah, when I was a kid, Kenny Rogers was never around. He became country. You know, he was country to begin with, but his group was counterculture, psychedelic, whatever you want to call it, considered rock and roll. But when he cut Ruby, he was able to make the transition, ditch his band, and become Charlie Ray. I mean, or Kenny Rogers, yeah. Kenny Rogers, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just funny because usually you, they go the other direction. They'll start out in country and then they'll cross over into mainstream success, where Rogers, it sounds like, wanted into country and had to get mainstream success to get there. Well, but see, that's something more of a later time. You got to understand that country music for a long time was the red-headed stepchild of the music business. It didn't get any respect in New York, and New York was really the heart of the music business. Over time, you had a West Coast and an East Coast. But, I mean, you hear the same story when you hear the story of things like Motown. See, Buddy Holly didn't become really big until he went to New York. You know? I mean, that's in, his, in the movie and the, the biography. Country music just didn't really get a lot of respect. Now, you know, the BMI banquet in New York had a place for country music because it did make money. But like I said, it was a separate thing. And because of that, there was a certain possessiveness, pride, and inferiority complex from the country and western music business. They were real greedy. What's happened with the Austin sound and all that kind of stuff. Things like the Louisiana Hayride were great for promoting your music. But there was a few very powerful men in the country and western music business. They would have never allowed something, say, recorded in New Orleans or Austin. If you didn't record it in Nashville and Nashville Power wasn't uh, collecting something for it, you weren't going to go anywhere. You might get away with it by going to Sun Records in Memphis, you know, but that was still Tennessee and the way, you know, they directed a certain amount of power over that too. You know, Johnny Cash was Sun Records. I mean, the whole purpose of it being country and Western was separate. Western music wasn't going to go anywhere. Neither was country music for that matter. They had to join forces to bring it about. And then they brought in the rest of the, by making the, uh, Nashville Songwriters Association International, they not only protected their rights, but since they were the only organization that could do that, West Coast, East Coast, you know, New York, L.A., whatever, uh, London, people wanted to join that organization and know those people because that's how they could protect their product around the world. Before then, you had to, if you were selling records somewhere, you wanted to open a publishing company in that country to protect in 1969, Mel Tillis was still a struggling country artist, but a successful songwriter covered by the likes of Tom Jones. Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town had already been recorded by Waylon Jennings in 1966 and Johnny Darrell in 67 to some success. And Roger Miller did a version where he tweaked the lyrics and arrangement in meaningful ways. It was Miller's variation that Kenny Rogers and First Edition made an international crossover hit with their one-take recording of the song done in the last 15 minutes of their album's final recording session. First edition had broken through in 1967 with Just Dropped In to see what condition my condition was in. But while the single made the Billboard Top 5, none of the group's first three albums really went anywhere. It took Ruby to really get Roger's career started. To their credit, the first edition sped up the tempo, made the guitar picking more elaborate. 
highlighted percussion that now ran throughout the song, added the harmonizing, and most importantly, let the beat drop repeatedly under Rogers' vocals. Mel Tillis was initially inspired by Johnny Cash's 1958 number one, Don't Take Your Guns to Town, which was playing on the radio while he was sitting in Nashville traffic. He'd known a woman named Ruby when he was a teenager back home in Florida, who lived in the house behind his, and fought incessantly with her husband. Tillis has said, Ruby is a real-life narrative about a soldier coming home from World War II in 1947 to Palm Beach County, Florida. The soldier brought along with him a pretty little English woman he called Ruby, his war bride from England, one of the nurses that helped to bring him around to somewhat of a life. He had recurring problems from war wounds and was confined mostly to a wheelchair. He'd get drunk and accuse Ruby of everything under the sun. Having stood as much as she could, Ruby and the soldier eventually divorced, and she moved on. He divorced Ruby and married someone else. The ending of this story is that the guy killed himself and his third wife. Very sad. Tillis moved the timeline on the situation up to Korea, and by the time he'd driven home, the song was entirely written in his head. His wife hated it, finding it to be morbid, and the Kenny Rogers version of the song was banned by some radio stations. However, a lot of that was due to the misperception of the song having been written as a Vietnam protest, and this angle was used on a notable news program of the time in a proto-music video. Rogers himself once protested, Look, we don't see ourselves as politicians. Even if a lot of pop groups think they are in the running for a presidential nomination, we are there primarily to entertain. Now, if we can entertain by providing thought-provoking songs, then that's all to the good. But the guys who said Ruby was about Vietnam were way off target. It was about Korea. But whatever the message and however you interpret it fact is that we wouldn't have looked at it if it hadn't been a good song just want to make good records that's all the tune inspired three answer songs including one by mel tillis himself called ruby's answer in billy i've got to go to town geraldine stevens sings from ruby's perspective claiming she isn't cheating then there's soul singer bobby womack's ruby dean where her son also calls her out to stay home and respect his dad huh 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance yeah everybody knows that well, did you know that playing cards with Kenny Rogers gets old pretty fast? You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. What? You get it. Nobody. I get the gist, yeah. yeah. Okay. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I love it at dawn. The whole world seems fresh and brand new again. As light and clear now as the juice of a fresh-cut pineapple. That's today's Dole 100% pure pineapple juice. Pineapple orange and pineapple grapefruit, too. All with a brand new taste of morning. You know, Christopher's mornings like these that remind me of when I was a little boy. Yeah, me too. That's the nature of Dole. You know, a lot of us grew up with family barbecues being something of a tradition. A time to be together, to laugh together, to share a few stories. A time to look across the table at the people you love the most. And to my mind, that time's worth more than anything else we could ever give each other. Introducing Kenny's brand new barbecue chicken, perfectly cooked and basted in a savory sauce. Try our downright kicking barbecue chicken today. Kenny Rogers Roasters. There's goodness here. Kenny. <laughs> Up next, Key G. Baker. So I guess we're talking about my song, which is Ronnie Millsap's Daydreams About Night Things. Is that what this Actually, podcast is Actually, yeah. You, do, you want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. Fuck yeah, we can do that shit. <laughs> no, you, don't, don't, you, you fucking bluffing. We'll call that shit. I never heard the song. Play it. Actually, I think I've got that in my folders. One second. Uh, I'm not surprised because I've never heard of it before. You don't know Ronnie Millsap? Ronnie Millsap? Didn't he play for Utah Jazz? Ronnie Millsap was the white country Ray Charles. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> I, gotta, I need to Wait, okay. He's the white country Ray Charles? That is correct. Yeah, that is a great, great explanation of who exactly who he is. It's just because he's 
blind? We play yeah, piano good. too. Fucked. Oh, okay. Well, this is two out of three. <laughs> I don't know. Is that out of three? What's the third? I don't know. Music. Okay, so three out of three. He does music. He's blind <laughs> and he plays the piano. Oh, he's so fucking white Ray Charles. White country. Right? White country. Mm. Well, it, he's the country version. You know, he's it, white people have been stealing black people's music for ages. We can also steal their um, disabilities. Oh, God, I was afraid. We, as soon as you said it, we can also steal their um and pause. I'm like, I'm not gonna like what's coming next. <laughs> Dis- disabilities is right. That's that's the one I wouldn't have said. Man. So that was seriously though. You want to put the song on? Like we can do that. Put we can make that happen. Let's listen to it. <clears throat> okay. I don't know if will he be able to hear it. I think so. Actually, yeah. Let's find out together. If, if he's anything like most country people, he already knows the song in his head. He didn't have to hear it. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, but it's just just the weird silence of him sitting in front of his computer while we're listening to music is weird. I could hum it back to you and see. Yeah, you, that, you know what? Sing. That's the only. I don't even want to hear the song. I just want to hear you hum it. <laughs> Can you hear that, Keith? Turn it up, son. Uh, no. Nah. Oh, wait. Daydreams about night things. I heard something. Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're listening to it. Oh. My mind's home loving you. I'm having daydreams about night things in the middle of the afternoon. And every night you make my daydreams. Well, all day long while I'm working in town, time slows down to a crawl. When I'm not thinking about you, I'm checking the clock on the wall. Then it's goodbye factory and hello love, and there's a smile across my face. Come back in the arms of your sweet love, where my thoughts have been all day. The White Ray Charles with Daydreams Become Night. What was it again? Oh, there's another song. Hold on, there's another song. Daydreams About Daydreams. Night Things. Daydreams About Night Things. In the middle of the afternoon. That's a catchy little song, I gotta tell you. I'm telling you, man, it was a hit. He had a lot of hits, man. Yeah, it was released in uh, 1975. It made it to number one on the U.S. Hot Country Songs, number two, Canadian RPM Country, and 35 on a Canadian Adult Contemporary. Yeah, my yeah, my main thing about that song is that uh, it's it was what, the first concert that I ever went to was Ronnie Millsap and Kenny Rogers. When was no that? Shit. This was... I. I was probably around six years old, so it was probably around 78-ish, and uh, went to the Dorton Arena in Raleigh, which is where they had wrestling most of the time. But yeah, Kenny Rogers was the headliner, and Ronnie Millsap opened for him, and my mom and aunt took me with them. But I think they took me for the sole purpose to give me their camera so that <laughs> I could run up front next to the stage and take pictures of Kenny Rogers. So you had a thing for Kenny Rogers? Oh, my, my mom, my aunt, pretty much every older woman in my life loved Love some Kenny Rogers. How could you not love Kenny Rogers? Kenny Rogers in his exactly. prime. Come on. Uh, Keith, did you listen to the podcast that Rob did covering Not Heart Like a Wheel, which was the race movie that Kenny Rogers was in with Aaron Gray? That was uh, Six Pack? Yeah. Did you listen to the film and water that covered that one? I did, and they couldn't 
understand why everybody loved Kenny Rogers, but he was a sexual icon back then, back in the seventies, man. I mean, there's a reason why he and Dolly Parton paired up all the time, right? Weren't well, they, they only did, no, they only paired up the one time. She was she used to party with Porter Wagner back in the day. Fucking she, who? <laughs> no, you, but the funny <laughs> thing is, you, you say that Porter Wagner was the big name in the sixties, and she was occasional partner. All right, I'm talking I'm talking eighties then. Right, right. Well, in the sixties, she started in the sixties, remember correctly, and then in the seventies is when she broke out on her own. And my understanding is that Porter Wagner actually did everything in his power to destroy her career because he couldn't stand that she was leaving him and trying to go out on her own. And so she struggled for years to get a solo career going and then finally blew up later in the 70s. So she's like the white country Tina Turner. Indeed. A little bit. Yeah. Although maybe before Tina Turner. A beloved gay icon too. So there's a lot of crossover there that you may not have appreciated. Whoa. And both of them had enormous hair in the 80s to boot. Holy cow. Did both of them sing uh, Rolling on the River? When I left a good job in the city I was working for the see her covering Proud Mary. If she covered Shine by Collective Soul, I'm pretty sure she made her way to Proud Mary at some point. She covered Shine by Collective Shit, yeah. Soul? Oh, Shit, yeah. She turned it into like a kind of a religious, almost like a, a church song. Yeah. out the religiosity of it because I always thought it was about a guy going down on a chick that's what I thought the song was about but if you listen to the words I guess it actually does have like a more like a religious quality to it so I think there's some well, frustration well, either way collective well, soul fucking sucks <laughs> Well, a lot, of, time, a lot of times going down on a chick does have religious connotations anyway. So, Ooh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're doing it right. No. <laughs> but no, actually, the way she did it, I appreciated the lyrics a lot more. It's kind of like how I liked Nirvana, but I didn't really like Smells Like Teen Spirit until after I heard like a dance techno version of it where you could really hear the words. I was like, oh, okay, that's a more interesting song than I thought it was. I'm worse at what I do best and for the skips I feel blessed. I live. Always 
And the same thing happened with Dolly with Shine. It's like, that's a good song. If a good band covered it, it would have probably been better. But we're way off topic. So you were explaining the raw animal magnetism of Kenny Rogers. Oh, yeah. I didn't understand it then. But I did in that concert seeing Ronnie Millsap in all of his glory, which wasn't wasn't all that all that much glory. But still, a blind dude playing a concert for a crowd that big was just amazing to me. And, and his tunes were catchy. I had no idea what they meant. I didn't know what daydreams about night things in the middle of the afternoon meant at six years old. I realized about 10 years later exactly what he was talking about. I was like, oh, yeah. I assume he was second bill to Kenny Rogers, too, right? Oh, yeah, he was. He, he was the opening act. I want to say there was a third act, but I can't remember what it was. I just I just remember that Ronnie Millsap see, seeing him sing to everybody. And he was kind of a he made all the all the women crazy, too, for some reason, which I didn't get. But um, well, but yeah, he, the he two of them Mac together. That, Ronnie Millsap had some pretty Mac and song. You know, it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. Most of his songs had something to do with women in some way or another. Yeah. yeah the it, strangest one he ever did was There's a Stranger in My House. when I was growing up. I loved that one because it had that dark undercurrent to it. The lyrics were ironic too. There's a stranger in my house, someone that I can't see, which was kind of <laughs> weird. <so. laughs> I, you, you just made me have like a flashback to a lot of jokes from around 83 or so. You know what's funny though? <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, that was big in country. Like, are we sure he wrote that song? You know, no, all, there were, country singers have notoriously not written their own song. Right? Oh, okay. I, I, I thought you like had some insider knowledge, but you're saying no. He, they, well, no, not just country singers. Singers in general really didn't start writing their stuff until, to some degree, the singer-songwriter revolution of the 60s, yeah, but also the realization that all the, the money was in the songwriting, all, all the residuals were in the songwriting, and so by the 90s, everybody wanted to write their own shit, even if they weren't particularly gifted songwriters, because they wanted that cash. And it's often been a lot of the top pop stars of the 90s onwards that got songwriting credits. What I've heard is that they basically were able to bully their way onto getting credits because they dropped a little something here and there, and so they, because they wanted the money. So what was that song? Now I'm going to look and see who, uh, sure. who wrote it. I, I actually still have it up. It was written by... No, not Daydream About Night Things, the one about the dude in somebody's house oh okay I'm, we'll I'm, do that i'm gonna assume ray charles wrote it holy shit <laughs> we'll just keep digging that hole deeper you and me because well no the reason i said that is like it you know the thing where what was the line you just said that you thought was funny and ironic what was the uh, the lyric uh, someone in my house that i can't see mike reed wrote the song it was written blind they didn't know who's gonna sing it oh, jesus i'm just saying <laughs> what, what i meant was he may not have written that line to begin with he just <laughs> sang it, right? he That's, didn't yeah he couldn't somebody who could see wrote the song you know what i mean yeah no i, 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 I see what up. you're saying shut the fuck up is what i'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
always got to have some damn comment. Uh, well, it's interesting though that you brought up Ronnie Millsap of all people because uh, that was like my stepfather's favorite singer. And so when I liked my stepfather, I tried to embrace Ronnie Millsap. And then, of course, as I stopped embracing my stepfather pretty severely, I, of course, have bittersweet feelings about it. I still think he's a very talented singer. I enjoy the music, but I don't listen to it very often because it's just too many bad associations. Mm, whoa. You're about to, that's, so was this your one song each or is this Keith's <laughs> one song each? Uh, well, he happened to bring up something that related to me. Although, let's be honest, I, I didn't know a lot of music, so a lot of music relates to me. Everything relates to me. I, I Narcissism, what can I tell you? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> anyway, Keith, take it. Take this back over about you. Let's, t- let's, go, let's get back on the song itself. How, is, how has that song not been in some vampire movie? Daydreams about night things? That'd be rad But it's, it, but it's so, that. like, up-tempo. It's so, like, That would make it happy. so fucking cool. Well, I mean, <laughs> if 99 Problems could make its way into the credits of Fright Night, the remake, yeah, I can see where you're there coming from go. there. Probably just plum ignorance. But just be, night uh, things can, sa- can yeah. also sounds like demons but I I don't think people know old country music that much again you mentioned Dolly they'll know something like a Jolene but they don't know who the fuck you don't know who the fuck Ronnie Millsap is so how are they going to know yeah but I still think the song it would be a cool catchy song to have at the beginning of a fucking uh, during the opening credits of some weird ass vampire movie we'll we'll pull fire and water that happens we're going to totally take credit for that All right, done they're getting ready to remake Buffy I believe is what I heard so that'd be a good opening credits I can see that that'd be a different way to go yeah They could even have Ronnie Millsap guest star. He's still alive. Yeah, he could be like the principal or something. <laughs> Poor Ronnie Millsap. Now I feel bad for the guy. Because they're a couple of assholes. <laughs> So it, it, did you just choose this just because of that uh, Kenny yeah, Rogers uh, Yeah, why concert? that specific song especially, yeah. Oh, I, that was just the first one on my list was because it, it was the first concert that I ever went to. It, was, it wasn't the first concert that I, that I paid for the ticket myself, but it's the first one that I – concerts were something that older people did. And my mom and my aunt actually took me to a concert when I was six. So uh, and, and then I found out later it was just to use me so that I could weasel through the crowd up to the stage and take pictures. <laughs> What <laughs> points for creativity? So would you say? Oh, yeah, exactly. Would, would you say your memories of that concert? Do you remember Ronnie Millsap more than you remember Kenny Rogers? I remember. Yeah, I remember Ronnie Millsap more. I think his songs were were more that I could sing along to, whereas Kenny Rogers seemed to just cause the whole place to explode. I mean, hell, it oh, was sure. like oh, uh, the Beatles effect. Yeah. you couldn't hear the songs. Yeah, so you don't was, remember as was, much, it, yeah. which was kind of scary to me at six with seeing these twenty, thirty something year old women just going nuts so i don't know it was kind of like later on in life in the 90s when i went to go see bell bib devoe johnny gill and Keith sweat it was kind of the same effect you know when johnny gill gets up on stage everybody goes just absolutely nuts especially when he starts throwing out roses Man, he yeah, had some sweet bills, man. Just like you, all killer, no filler with all well, these bills. What threw me off is I thought he was going to say when Ronnie Millsap opened for Bell Biv DeVoe. <laughs> that would have been quite a combo, right? Oh, God, that would be awesome. <laughs> that girl is poison. So that's more of a lounge act kind of thing. I can't do Ronnie Millsap. 
<laughs> Try with your eyes closed. <laughs> oh. oh, edit that out. That was terrible. That was but, no, look, no, that stays in. Hey, is it, so is Ronnie was still with? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I think he's still alive. Yeah, oh, good for him. Man. I don't know that he's still making music, but I'm pretty sure that he's still alive. Yeah, there was a real like one of the things I loved about country music is that if you had a career there, you often had a career for decades. You know, oh, they, yeah. they, they 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 the guys who got in stayed in, and starting in the '90s, they really seemed like they pushed all the old guard out. I remember George Jones had a song called "I Don't Need No Rocking Chair." about how him and all this older guard were getting pushed out and to a large degree it seems like that stayed the case it's like you've got a, you're good for 15 years or so which in pop music terms is a lifetime but in the old school country terms we used to have 30 40 year careers 15 years or so isn't really that long but it seems like for the most part except from a few superstars you've got a shelf life now in country would you agree or disagree with that because i'm not i am i'm not nearly as well versed in country as i used to be well i would think so i, I pretty much got out of country music when they started throwing rap into it and started doing all this kind honky of weird tonk, stuff honky honky do I now? Honky donk, donk, donk. Yeah, exactly. Like the the uh, Florida Georgia line and all that kind of stuff. Where it's just oh, seriously. It, it, it's like it's like it's like it's not just country. It's all music where they they start just getting these guys who look nice and they write songs for them and then they auto tune them to where they sound halfway okay to play on the radio. I mean, it's it's all crap now. Yeah, get and get off my not, lawn. Get off my lawn. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, but you know, the, it seems like to find good music, whether it's country or anything else. Else. You have to look for it. You have to dig for it, and and it's not it's not what they're playing playing over the air on the radio. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if uh, t- today's accessibility to music makes it easier or harder to find music like that. Because usually, you know, you just chill and listen to the radio, which would be good because you'd hear you know you hear soon something on the radio. But at the same time, it'd be bad because the selection of what they would play wasn't that large. Whereas now, like, you can throw on whatever it's Spotify or Pandora, and it would su- it'll suggest something based on the other shit you've listened to. But also you know, a lot of it is you can really pare down what you like. So then the algorithm starts paring down. It knows what you like and you don't get those those new suggestions very much. And, and, well, I've noticed that, too. So what I do is I make different stations on Pandora or Spotify or whatever. And if I find somebody kind of obscure that I dig, I start a new station mm. with that band. And it, it and I found a lot of other bands that have been suggested to me that way. That that's it, actually I'm like, yeah. that's a pretty good idea. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, that there's a band Temper movement who I saw one time open up for another band that I was playing on seeing and they kind of knocked my dick in the dirt we stood in lies and secrets bearing colors for a fight that's not mine your love is all that I have I slipped so sweetly into the corners where the sun never shines hiding my sunbeam underneath my coat holy shit they're awesome so i started a pandora station with them and from that i found three or four other bands that are pretty cool i'm, I'm not with the music talk i want to know more about dick in the dirt i'd never heard that one before yeah, i've been waiting my whole life to have my dick knocked in the dirt <laughs> 
it's I don't know. It's it's just an expression of where something hits you hits you by surprise. It, it catches you off guard. I mean, there's nothing more off guard than all of a sudden having your dick in the dirt. So yeah, I figure. I mean, same thing is like you know you knocked on your ass, it knocked me on yeah. my ass, but instead you fall forward and put your dick in the dirt. No, I, I, I enjoy it. I'm I, gonna say it all. Well, the time. I hope you don't enjoy it. I mean, no, no, no. Not, 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 that's not a visual no, no. I need in my head. Well, I, well, I, <laughs> I just thought that's what you did on the farm when you didn't have livestock. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Appearing in concert on TNN, it's Ray Jones, Glenn Campbell, The Whites, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Jenny Fricky, Leon Russell, Bobby Jones and New Life, and Ronnie Millsap. Join Ronnie Millsap in celebration Monday, October 12th at 8 Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on TNN. He's had 10 gold albums. If you think He's won every major music right. award, including six Grammys. But darling, Ronnie Millsap. There ain't no getting over me any day now. Now, Heartland Music presents the very best of Ronnie Millsap, a two-record collection of his biggest and best-loved songs. And you came to me. It was almost like a song. You'll get all of Ronnie's biggest number one hits. In the still of the night, don't you ever get tired of hurting me. Remember, happy, happy birthday, baby. This special collection is not sold in stores. Stay tuned to order. Use your credit card and save COD charges by calling toll-free 1-800-368-8686. Or to save all additional charges, send check or money order for only $12.98 for albums or cassettes or $19.98 for two compact discs to Ronnie Millsap, P.O. Box 4262, Huntington Station, New York. That's P.O. Box 4262, Huntington Station, New York. Hi, folks. I'm Ronnie Millsap. Last year, my album, Lost in the 50s Tonight, was chosen album of the year. What an honor. This year, you can join in the excitement by entering the Album of the Year contest, sponsored by the CMA and the Nashville Network. Look for entry blanks at your favorite record outlet or send your vote on a postcard to the CMA Album of the Year contest, P.O. Box 12, Nashville, Tennessee, 37214. That's the CMA Album of the Year contest, P.O. Box 12, Nashville, Tennessee, 37214. Then watch the CMA Awards show on October 12th to see which album wins. And Nashville now on October 13th for the grand prize drawing. You could win an Admiral Cruise to the Caribbean, a trip to Nashville to celebrate TNN's fifth anniversary, and many more exciting prizes. So hurry and enter now. America's country home. America's country home. Hey guys, this is Paquita Trotamundos again with another song for the side B. This time I'm going to talk to you about this song, Bienvenidos al Club de los Imposibles, as you can tell it's a Spanish song, Enrique Bumbri. For longest time, I loved this guy, well, until I was 14. He's from Spain, he used to be in one of this band, Héroes del Silencio, and then of course he went solo since... 
probably like early 90s. I love this guy. I never gone to one of his concerts before. I was, uh, as I mentioned in other episodes, I didn't have any money. So I work a lot and go to school and stuff like that. Mid 90s, I was living in Mexico in a big city where it's concerts at all times. So I used to go concerts pretty often when I was there. And now uh, my family moved me to this very, very small town in the border in the U.S. side of it. No concerts. People have no clue who Enrique Bombri was. We didn't have a lot of money. So yeah, not enough concerts for me for a long time. I never got to go see this guy in Monterrey because he's from Spain. I started going to my degree and it was pretty hectic. I didn't have a lot of money to travel back and forth. So I had like a pretty rough time, insanely bad sometimes. So I used to know that my friend used to go to concerts of Enrique Bombori and I was like super jealous and sad and angry that I couldn't go. So finally I finished my degree and I find out that the day of the graduation, it was going to be the day that Enrique Bombori was going to be in my hometown, Monterrey. So of course it was a mixture of like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I told my mom, you know, mom, I'm not going to this ridiculous graduation. Really doesn't matter. I traveled to Mexico. The whole thing about it is that it was like a general uh, admission. It wasn't like reserved seats. And besides, I wanted to be like in the very front. So I arrived to the venue. I was in line since 10 in the morning all the way until 8 to make sure that I have a good place in the concert because the first time that I was going to go see this guy, my favorite singer of all time tired I'm thirsty and wanted to pee but I couldn't move anyway finally the doors open and I'm like there ready to run to make sure that I got a good spot I realized that all the fan clubs they let them in earlier so when they open the door I run like my life depending on it I'm gonna get in front of that stage and luckily I actually get to be in the front in the very front and then of course you guess you know people start pushing you and start moving you trying to get into that sweet spot for like two hours until the fucking concert starts so I hold into the dear life because I wanted to be in front when the lights start going out and the concert was about to start this song started to play
is not one, one of my favorite songs of him. Like, it's not even my top 20. But it's just when the song started to play, I was hysterically, like, I was... I said that I was crying. No shame of saying that. I was crying because I was for the first time. I'm going to be able to see this guy. I'm happy that I've been for a very, very, very long time. And then he starts singing the song. This full emotion of happiness and and I started screaming I started singing on this song like on top of my lungs and and it was amazing so I always every time that I hear this song I just remember that full emotion when I was in that concert and it was actually a pretty amazing concert I'm relieving all this stress by singing and jumping and dancing and at one point in the concert his microphone fell into the floor the microphone stand was wrapped up in something, right? Like a scarf made of just feathers and it failed. So I I don't know what came into my head. I just grabbed it and then one of the security guards just like pull it like super hard and it make like a huge cut into my middle finger. I was all bloody. So yeah, so I'm like bleeding and I'm in pain, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And I just started like singing again. A few minutes later, probably like 10, 15 minutes later, I was extending my hand and then I just saw Enrique Bombori reaching my hand and grabbing it and then of course I'm like petrified because I'm like what the fuck you know I'm like my dreams start going crazy and then I saw that he was leaving something in my hand and so I didn't dare to open my hand at that moment because a lot of people saw that I was afraid that people were gonna like grab it or something and then later on when I opened it he actually left his guitar picked in my hand so it was amazing every time I listen to this song especially to the beginning of the song ah, I just relieved that whole moment again when I get home my voice was entirely gone I was ecstatic about it the feathers that I grabbed from the microphone where the guy pulled it I was able to to hold into a few feathers it was like just like a handful of them and I just put it on my pocket because it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep it because that's kind of like the only thing that I'm going to have from this concert. But then, of course, I have the guitar pick. I bought like a little frame. In that frame, I put the concert ticket. I put the feather and then I got the guitar picked. That concert was in 2002, so like 16 years ago. And until nowadays, I still have that frame in my office. And it's funny that Frank never actually actually noticed about it. I used to joke before, it's like, when I die, I want to be buried with this frame next to me because I want to keep this for the rest of my life. I seen him, I would say probably like 10 times. And one time he actually reunited with his old band for just like a concert tours in Spain and, and some other parts of Europe and Mexico and the US. And I had to go to Mexico City to go see him. And it was great. Another huge concert of him and actually there's another concert like a few months later probably like a half a year Enrique Bombori always have this dream of playing in New Orleans in the House of Blues apparently because there's a lot of famous singers and blues people that sang in that venue I was gonna go travel to New Orleans and, I, and at that time I had money because I was already working so it was like an easier way going to the concert 
I'll tell you, House of Blues, I'm pretty sure that they're the same size throughout the whole United States. So Enrique Bombori, a guy from Spain that not that many people, uh, people knows about it in here. I mean, I kind of figured that not many people is going to go there. And I was right. If I'm being generous, the maximum people that was there, 50 people. At first, when I was just wedding, I'm like, man, he's going to be all sad and depressed and he's not going to give his everything. And then so he gets out with the exact same song once again come out the song and I'm all hysterical and this guy gave everything one of the most amazing concerts that I've been of him passion and I was like again in front like very very in front of the stage uh, in that case I didn't have to fight it was a very like intimate concert because he was very little people and he was giving his everything I have to say like this guy is like wow it's like super to me it's like super handsome cute for the longest time it was like wow everything about him the way he moved his body his face his hair everything I just loved the guy he was he was very sexy guy still is and this guy is singing and giving his everything and literally I can touch his leg on my hand with my hand he was like that close so at first I was like I'm just gonna touch it a little bit I know that he's gonna get angry or he's gonna move his leg but at least I touch him. I reach over and touch his leg and he didn't do anything. So I'm like, okay. And I kind of kept my hand in there and he didn't move. I was like, okay, he's not getting angry. So I start massaging his leg up and down and he's like super, super skinny. I can almost feed the entire leg in one hand. (laughs) So I'm massaging his leg up and down and the guy is just like singing more passionately and I'm just like singing with him. Half of the concert, my hand wasn't his leg and he didn't say a peep about it. At one point, he moved backwards to do like change guitar or something when he came back he was a little bit farther from me to just reach over a little bit far you know more farther than my reach so I kind of retrieved my hand it's so hilarious because the guy actually moved his leg closer to me So I'm like, okay, you know, and I grabbed his leg again. And once again, I was raping his leg. (laughs) Almost at the end of the concert, my voice is gone. I'm singing one song and that's it. I couldn't sing anymore. And I'm just like, you know, and he stopped and looked at me, went over his little stool, served a tequila shot, walked towards me and gave it to me. And I was just like paralyzed in there. I'm just like grabbing it drank it and instead of kept in it because come on i just give it back to him and say thank you see even in the concert i'm fucking so fucking polite so but i'm like petrified because this guy actually gave me a tequila shot maybe he just wanted to get me drunk or something to take me to the hotel yeah i wish <laughs> so anyhow Every time I listen to that song, if I'm in a bad mood or if I'm sad or if I'm normal or if I'm just like random and that song plays, man, I just feel that emotion, that happiness, that just, wow, it it, it goes over me and I cannot help it but sing. I've been singing that song out loud with my earphones in my office at work because I just can't contain myself and I just keep reminding about that time with that security guard ripped my, I still have the car when he cut my hand and Ricky Bombori gave me his guitar pick when I ripped his leg and then he gave me a tequila shot. 
Silveston escucha. KQ, QK, Momos, 107.9 FM, la casa de la música norteña, el norte. Facebook people, Brian W. Fraser, Keith G. Baker, Tweeters, Ale Brad, Ange, Bad, Bun Dragon Comics, Brody Kitchen, Chris at Bad Books for Beginners, Dr. G. Nerdiologist, Gord Talton, Gregory Litchfield, The Hoopers, Ice in the Face, Into the Weird, Gerald Arbrick, Joe Crawford, John D. Noyle, Keith G. Baker, Kevin the G, Christados, Longbox Crusade, Peter The Valvis, Professor Frenzy, Rad Adventures, Randy Cutwell, Relatively Geeky, Resurrection, and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast, Sean Michael Ortega, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Cisco, Terrence Castanway, Trekker Talk, Sack Sally, Chris at Bat Books for Beginnings Road, Ha! Music, Tom's Up, and Listen to Me Relive One of My More Insane Stories of My Life Here. My background makes the Dean Martin version of Just in Times the one I know best. I have heard this one so many times. I can croon this with all of Dino's affectations. It is a little smooshy for the context, but I heard this one a thousand times before I heard another rendition. It is cheesy sold in my brain. Randy Coltwell wrote, Nina Simone, please. I totally agree. Professor Francie, for real, easy choice. When it was cool, wrote, I must have missed Tom Sawyer at Rush. Tom Sawyer is the correct answer for anything musically. Love and life are deep. The Foo Fighters might be the last rock and roll band left, sadly. One Song Each is a Roll Spine podcast. Any resemblance to an actual commercial endeavor is purely incidental. This is all in good fun with no money changing hands. No copyright infringement is intended with this fair use free show to the public. Drop us a line on our webpage or social media if you would like to participate in future episodes. Thank you for listening.